0: and make the world we live in a better place. And I have the privilege of introducing our first international guest. And I'm going to butcher your last name, warning you now. know. <laughs> but she's a soul activator and a psychic alchemist. And using a very unique way that isn't done a lot yet, uncover solutions to where you're struggling in life. Welcome, Lauren Mariani.
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: Welcome to the show, and how are you?
1: Very well, thank you. I am calling in from Zimbabwe, so across many oceans, I would assume. My geography is not very good. But it is good to be joining you today.
0: Oh, I'm honored. Now, before we get into why you do what you do, can you explain what a soul activator and psychic alchemist is?
1: So... As soul activator I love waking up people's souls so I think sometimes we go through life and there is something within us that's not resonating and it's my purpose to activate that and to just light a teeny tiny little fire (laughs) Um, that you achieving your best possible outcome and your best possible life um and then uh, as an what was the second one an alchemist so i look above and beyond traditional therapy so when we think of a tradition uh sorry a spiritual therapist we think of The simpler things like Reiki or acupuncture or,
0: um, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, yeah, it is. And I guess for me, I see infinite possibilities and I see everything as infinitely possible. So the alchemy version comes in where I'm able to blend a bunch of practices together and create an outcome based on an individual specifically. So, And that wasn't necessarily something that was taught. I think uh, when we stand in a space where I take what I need and I need what I take, you know, it creates a space for the universe to do its magic and for it to honor where your integrity is at. So there's no funny games with it. It's literally, I need to heal that person. And this is what I believe is going to do it.
0: And, it's so, and I think that all... Sorry, it's so many less words than trying to describe everything you do. <laughs>
1: it is. And, you know, the thing is, is I think that we limit ourselves so much in where we're at, you know, we place a label on absolutely everything, whether it is our career or as a parent or as a wife. And those labels actually carry a weight, an energetic weight to them and a stigma to them. And I find that I've been through it as a mom and a wife and as an entrepreneur, there's a different kind of pressure. And so I wondered what would life be without labels What would we be capable of? Or do we define ourselves by those labels specifically?
0: You know, that is so true. And we talk a lot Mm. about that on our our shows, especially my shows, because I do have two special kids. They're both autistic. Well, you know, I've gotten a lot of slack about it because my kids are seven and nine and they don't know (laughs) their label or their diagnosis. They know yeah. that their life and their brains are wired a little differently than regular kids. And it's really cute because like yeah. my nine-year-old gets mad at little brother, which is completely normal. They, dad always complains when they fight. And I look at him, like, go, you wanted two normal kids? This is what happens with normal kids. They fight. Because <laughs> <laughs> he grew up with his brother and sister 13 and 14 years older than him. So he was kind of like an only child. <laughs> So he doesn't yeah. experience the sibling world. <laughs> and she'll say, yeah, no, absolutely. Mom, I had to take David to the brain doctor. And I go, why did he get hurt? She goes, no, his wiring is wrong and it needs to be fixed because he's annoying
1: me. <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> but I guess that's what I, I wrote a program, soul DNA specifically for that reason of labels. Um, that that was like one of the things that I just couldn't do it. I couldn't identify with myself, and I'm not talking about freaking genders and stuff like that. I'm talking about like as a person, I couldn't identify with the labels people put onto me. Right? I couldn't identify people saying I'm rude or you know, permanent rich you know resting bitch face and. Like, all, all of these things, and you kind of, like, you, you begin living your life until you no longer recognize yourself anymore. And I remember my husband and I, he looked at me. We were at such a bad point in our relationship. We've been married nearly 20 years now. And um, we were just at such a, a low point. And he said to me, who are you? You keep looking to me to define you. Who are you? Tell me who you are. And I will make an educated decision if I can live with that you. And I was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because every label, every time I open my mouth to talk to him, I was like, no, that's my mom that called me that. Or that's my brother that called me that. Or that's my friend that called me that. And that like was a defining moment for me about who the hell was I? Because all my negative points, right? you kind of throw that all away and you're like, oh, I don't want to be manipulative. I cast that out. I don't want to be judgmental. I throw that out. I don't want to be an element of sadist. I'll throw that out. When in reality, I realized that, you know, what if they were supposed to be there? And just asking that question, Mary, blew my mind. Absolutely, like, blew my mind. Because I think we spend so much time focusing on you know, negative labels, I mean, my daughter, you talk about your kids, my daughter came to me the other day, and she's like, mom, I think I'm ADHD, and I was like, oh, I'm telling you, you're ADHD, like, we're not seeing a doctor about it, we're not doing anything about it, you're going to embrace and love ADHD, <laughs> it's like, it's the world where whimsy comes in, mm-hmm. and that's and it. so, yeah, and that was the thing, like, when I realized that you know, why do we fight procrastination? Why do we fight impatience? Why do we fight intolerance? What if we can't? Because you work on these things for so long, depression or anxiety, and actually suddenly you're just like, it just takes the right recipe, right? And suddenly you're straight back into that. And I was like, well, if you've worked so hard to get away from it, I'm a pretty proactive person. And if I can't get away from it, What if it's not meant to be got away from? What if it's part of who I am? And the moment I said that, I like honestly, my entire life transformed where I could say I am an impatient person and it's my impatience actually that literally gets me to take one massive step after the next, after the next, because I don't waste time. But equally, I am lazy beyond belief. And if I don't, like, want to exercise, I hate exercise. I understand it's a necessary, like, evil, but I hate it. So, like, you start being very real with yourself, you know, and you stop candy coating it and trying to run away from who you are and embrace who you are and then learn how to balance every single one of those aspects.
0: Well, no,
1: that is so true.
0: And what you figured out for free I spent thousands of dollars in training and hypnotherapy and NLP and understanding
1: your mind to figure that out. It's been a hard journey. Like if I, if I think about where it's at and, and what it took, it it took losing everything. I mean, it took that, you know, my husband and I getting to the point of saying, this is it, you know, like we actually, there's no connection anymore. Because I was just trying so hard to clutch on for somebody to identify me. And I was trying so hard for just you you grabbing at like loose ends and scraps. Because it's easier. I, I wrote a post today actually for our content in August about judgment and how we cast judgment out at everybody else when the judgment is actually an inward process. And we should be able to judge ourselves and look at ourselves authentically and say, hey, I am this person and that's okay. Because I think it gets taken out of us from a a young age, you know, stop being so silly or that's ridiculous. And I mean, when I hear people say those comments to kids or to adults, you know, and I think what DNA, soul DNA strands are you killing off? did you just kill off whimsy? Did you just put it into dormancy? Did you put intuition into dormancy? And so as a soul activator, it's my job to bring all of those and resurrect them from the dead.
0: No, that's a big reason why, you know, I work with a lot of soldiers transitioning out of the military and trying to figure out who they are.
1: Mm.
0: You know, a lot of us, and I, I was in for 15 years, you live you're identified by that label of being a soldier, that uniform, yeah. and it's gone overnight. And they have you know, yeah. jobs don't translate into civilian work. and so they're trying to figure out what to do. And wow, one of those when we start going through that, the big area of you know where we go through is I look at that. What did you do at the age of ten to fourteen? What was it that you wanted to do? Because that is the age where you're old enough to understand what a real job is and a real career. You don't no longer want to mm. be the princess or the superhero. But you haven't been corrupted by society being told you can't be that astronaut because you don't have the grades. Or we can't afford yeah. to go to law school or be a doctor.
1: And we can mold Absolutely.
0: different jobs based on what you like to do
1: what you wanted to do back then absolutely and it's not even that like you think for me I I, I think it's even I knew from a young age that I was going to help people like my whole life growing up in a super Christian home I was like I'm going to be a missionary like I, I don't care mm-hmm. where and like living in Africa to claim I'm going to be a missionary is like you all come to Africa <laughs> like missionaries and so like I wasn't even afraid of that and then you know you go through your transition and you go through your awakening and you know you kind of like that all I didn't plan on meeting my husband I didn't there was so much I didn't plan on and you know that all came to an end and I remembered um years later actually probably a couple of years ago now um I said to my husband, we left a party at three o'clock in the morning. And I said to him, you know, one day I'm going to help people. And and he laughed at me and he was like, you qualified as a chef and then you qualified an interior day call. And now you want to qualify as a psychologist. And I was like, Oh no, 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 not as a psychologist. That's far too like labor intensive for me. I'm going to call it into being. And Um, You know, we laughed about it. And yet, when I look at the little me, I always knew I was going to help people. I just didn't know that I had to let go and let Source do it in order for me to achieve that. That's it.
0: And you went back to the little you to figure out the next path. And I went through the same thing when I got out, trying to figure out my career path, what I was going to do. And that's how I ended up. In the field I'm in, I just have a lot of words that go behind my name because I didn't think about the word ultimate. Because, you know, I'm an NLP specialist. I'm a health coach, I specialize in trauma and hypnotherapy. You know, I have these
1: lists. <laughs> and now, Do you know what the thing is? It's like I love – within my soul DNA, I have a sadist. And the sadist can either be as society knows it or it can stir up emotion in somebody. And so, when I looked at the word alchemist, it stirs up, I don't know, it tickles my soul and my sense of humor. It stirs up something within it that creates a curiosity and it creates like, what can you do? And I don't know what I can do until I'm in that situation. So, at that point, I I got multiple practices under my, my belt, but I also have FOMO, and what if, like, I'm about to get another gift or download another one, but I, I have a, now have a label to my name, and that's going to stop that gift.
0: Keep adding more words so for, to the list.
1: It is. That, that was my thing. So I was like, oh, I love the thought of a pot, and we just chuck in a bit of alchemy. You know, and it's really kind of funny because um,
0: back in the – And then it progressed farther into like the 60s and 70s. There was a scientist by the name of Bruce Whipton who believed that each cell in your body contains its own DNA that is copied throughout your body. So what you think actually is in your foot or in your arm copied throughout your body. And which is part of the reason why um, addiction issues are so hard to get rid of that in our system. Because so mm, mm-hmm. when you start labeling yourself, and that's like one of the first steps in addiction recovery is you have to admit you are an addict. So when you keep yeah. saying this over and over again, it keeps putting it into your identity of who you are. It makes it build it into your DNA. So it makes it hard to get rid of
1: it if you want to. Yeah. But equally, I think, like, if you are an addict, why, like, where is it there? So I was an alcoholic for many years. And I stopped drinking the day I met my husband, just in sheer terror at my own behavior and that I would lose him. And so that was enough to make me stop drinking altogether for seven minutes. And... I remember walking into our kitchen and I picked up a glass of wine and I had a sip and he went cold. He was like, Oh God, no, I've heard rumors. He never saw it. He just heard rumors. And so, um, you know, for him and I said to him, I don't have a reason to drink anymore. I'm now safe. I was, I only drank that amount because I was running away And I don't need to run anymore. And so I no longer feel the addiction to the alcohol. But I could label when I looked at my own soul DNA and saw addict in there, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like I have the ability to get addicted to anything. And I think knowing that in itself, that you have that kind of power in your life you just set that soul DNA strand down to dormant. And, you know, there's no need to put that up. But, I mean, it would be great if I got addicted to exercise. I think that would be a win. You know, just even even at 10%, my husband would probably be thrilled. But it just... (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think, like, for me, it was just embracing every aspect. I took all the negatives. And I, like, started putting that all in, and it was incredible, like, the, the transformation where I could then look at my, my body in front of a mirror and no longer see that, because I saw myself in a series of, you know, personality traits instead, which made perfect sense to me. Because I, I, well, I, I guess you're kind of blaming your body for, I mean, you, you need to blame something. So if you can't blame everybody else, you blame your looks or your identity or your personality or, you know, it's got, that blame has to go somewhere.
0: Oh, that is so true. Getting mm. people to realize that. You know, we live in this society, either you're an effect person or you're a cause person. So either you mm. see the issue and you do something to fix it or deal with it and admit, you know, failure in a part. I guess. Not the best word, but. Mm. Or you sit there and blame yeah, yeah. society for every problem you have and not do a thing to fix it.
1: And mm. getting people
0: to see that. Because, you know, in our day and age right now, Everybody
1: blames everybody else for the problem. Yeah. I wrote a thing the other day about take a look at who you look up to. The only difference between where they're at and you're at is they stopped blaming everyone else. That is literally the only, when you think of everybody that you look up to Whatever, whether it's an actor or a motivational speaker or an inspirational person, it doesn't matter who it is. The only difference, it's not money, it's not time, it's not opportunity, it's not anything like that. The only difference is they took responsibility for everything and they stopped asking, why me? They just stopped. Life is one big sad story. Everyone's got a sad story. But they just stopped and said, why not me actually? I can be somebody despite where I'm at. And maybe I went through that kind of stuff so that I could pick myself back up and come up stronger. Nothing is ever made you know, beautiful without some form of you know, death. We just look at a flower to see that the seed has to die and be buried for you know, days for it to germinate.
0: Right. You know, it's like I always look at the penis. You know, mm. and, uh, um, even in business, you know, everybody always asks, you know, what happens if you fail? And I'm so tired of hearing that, you know, the coaching and, you know, all these business the coaches coming out, they're all asking, what's your plan B? What's, I go,
1: mm, I don't have a plan B. No, there, I mean, there isn't. But failure also equals success. Because when I fail, I learn. And when I learn, I succeed. And that's where I look at it as a phoenix, where, okay, I may
0: have failed. Mm. That just means I haven't learned the right way to do it yet. And I'm going to rise back up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, again, you just think, like, I mean, there are days. It's it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I, I think it doesn't matter where you get to. It's just not spoken about, right? Like the negative, the hard is not spoken about enough. So I don't think it matters where you get to. The hard is there. It's just a matter of realizing that tomorrow could be that day oh. where that breakthrough happened, but you gave up today.
2: The will come out tomorrow.
0: Hi,
1: Ryan. That's
2: about a dollar that tomorrow. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. We
0: wanna hey.
2: we'd like to welcome you to the Hope Collection and the uh, Golden Rule Society, the uh, mutual organizations that have been committed to doing Hello. exactly what you've been sharing. And uh, can you hear me? Oh wait a minute.
0: Can you hear me now? Hang hey, on, I got making a adjustment. Hang on, hang on. I can hear you, but she can't. So hang on one minute. All right. Hello? I can hear you. Hang on.
2: I sound like I'm muted. All right. Touching one, two, three.
0: Can you hear me now, Ron?
2: I can hear you clearly.
0: All right, hang on one second. I have to do a quick adjustment because the way this is, <laughs> the way I have this set up, she can hear, we can hear her, she can't hear you. So I had to adjust. Now we're good. Go ahead, Ron. I'll we'll see if she can hear you now.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Hope Collection Optimize Your Life Show. I'm not sure how much information Mary has shared with you. She shared to me this morning with me that you were going to be a board, and I want to welcome you officially as the president of the board of the Hope Collection. We are an organization founded by my best friend of 40 years, uh, Dr. Joel Griffin. Uh, he founded the Hope Collection, which was named after his mother, Hope. And uh, she actually was an inspiration in his and all the lives of the people that he had come and uh, touched. Gold Griffin is a doctor of mathematics, uh, had been an advisor to three presidents, and actually was asked to speak in front of Parliament, for Margaret Thatcher, to teach them how to, instead of going the way of the government running everybody's lives, go towards capitalism and free enterprise. And so he had a track record touching lives And the whole foundation on which we operate in, and we're not ashamed or we don't hide it, we are a faith-based organization. And a centerpiece of what we believe is that God created the world, God created us, and we serve him. And so I want to welcome you because you've indicated some things you're sharing this morning. Those align with what you've been doing and what you're looking to expand on. And we welcome you. So I stopped in this afternoon to say hi. And you weren't coming in the show today. And we welcome you. We'd like to talk some more with you and see how we can integrate uh, some of the causes. Joel kind of put it this way: people who become members of Hope and it's free. There's no charge, and it's a, and a volunteer organization. And our theme is helping others by helping them help others. The key is this: everybody will help somebody sometime. That, that's okay. It's good. But when you can teach someone else and help them to help somebody else, you're multiplying the force. You're creating a spirit of core. You can move mountains. You can change things. That's all based on that one basic premise. If you have hope, it's because you have faith in your heart, and you grow it. And together, we can become and work more to do that. So I welcome you, and uh, I've been listening in for a few moments, and I uh, and just thank Mary for allowing me to come in and, and into the middle of the conversation today. So we hope that you, as you explore and look at the precepts and what the Hope Collection is committed to doing and art is doing, we want you to feel welcome. Thanks, Mary, too. I believe I've been muted again.
0: <laughs>
2: Hello. I know you're there, Mary. I can hear you. Yes. <laughs>
1: I don't need to hear Ron. You could whatever you did, you could take that off. I can hear him through my laptop better because there's feedback.
2: Oh great. Well, I hope that you. I thought you were able to hear what I shared a few moments ago. Whatever you did, you could take that off. I can hear.
0: Them I'm still my trying laptop to figure
2: better. out the system. They this is that. the first I'm time I've well, I messed everything
0: up.
1: So. You, I
2: thought you were able to hear what I shared a
1: few moments
0: okay. ago. Whatever. I'm still trying to, out
2: they they to trying to figure out the sure. All right, so we have a slight I'm leg sure. in replay. Sunspots, Mary, the sunspots
0: are out there. Hey, then, you know, I got this new system, we're trying it out, We're branching out, so there's not going to be perfect the first time around. Perfectly
1: imperfect, Mary.
0: Hey, story of my life. I always say my world's not quite a million-dollar song, so I live by Murphy's Law. What will go wrong is going to go wrong, but
1: never bad enough that
0: I spill it into a song.
2: Mary, I operate under God's laws, (laughs) and he says, he says, He's working it out for all those who work for the good work for him. So I'm not working for Murphy. Murphy is the loser. And I worked for G.C. Murphy Company at one time. We are about winning. We're about serving. We're about uh, uh, bringing people across the finish line. We're about helping people to move from point A to point B and lifting them up. And, you know, I never found a person who was working to help somebody else that wasn't their life having joy in it. It's only when we are start to work to help ourselves when we That's fall true. into that trap. And you know, I never found the person who was working to help somebody else that wasn't having joy
0: in us. It's only when we are to That's true, but when we fall into that trap. I'm real no like- buts,
2: Mary. There is no but. When you say but, you're opening the door for the enemy to step back in and create a problem. I refuse to allow that as much as I can. I have learned, and I've done it through my organizations that I've been part of. I have built a company from $27,000 to 70, $27 million with no inventory in three years. And we did it with, we didn't even have a warehouse full of material. We proved in the marketplace. I've been the leader amongst, uh, I'm a Gideon. I've helped and helped organizations and working to help people to know the Lord and expand his kingdom. And I refuse to go the other way. True. Sure. No, there is no alternative. The alternative is you keep being attacked by the same person, the same idiot, the same person. You don't want to have control. But if you say but, every time you say the yeah, yeah, but, say it enough times, you become a mature yeah, butter as an if-ida. See, I'm not going to be, if I've done this, this would happen. I'm going to continually move forward in life. Knowing that if I fall within the, the the call that I've been called to fulfill, I'm going to help and move things forward. Yeah, things happen. I can't control that. It's not in my control. I can only control my heart and my spirit. I can share that with you and help you have the same philosophy and will help you to go forward with joy in your heart instead of frustration. That's a problem. Not for me. Uh, yes, Dad.
0: Onward we go. Of course. Yes, Dad. <laughs> One well, thing you'll learn I that all, on, all the listeners know is I'm German Irish military, so sarcasm
2: <laughs>
0: comes out <laughs> like you breathe. And <laughs> and because, I'm
2: a, because, because I'm a forgiving dad, I learned how to, I learned how to appreciate that okay. we love you in spite of that. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: makes me me, and it keeps y'all entertained. So I, I can use sarcasm, but I don't understand sarcasm. You know, it's not a miracle thing. You
2: weren't, meant, you weren't, you weren't you created
1: can, you can, to accept yes, like,
2: or to give crit- to, say, you criticism. Know, you
1: I weren't created for like, You know, like Sheldon in the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. I have to, like, say to somebody, I'm really sorry, uh, was that sarcasm? <laughs>
2: Yeah, just so you don't have to acknowledge it. You have to accept it, and you don't have to uh, acknowledge it. I want us to spend our time and spend our energy lifting people up, helping people come closer to having a spirit that shows joy and favor in this world. Because there's too much of the opposite that's proposed, promoted, and built and relied on, and the rest of the world just sells out to it, accepts it. I refuse to accept it. It's
0: not
2: in my being to do that, and I share that as an example for everyone. And I hope that it, I find, and people tell me that it attracts people, and helps people. See, when you when you can confirm an issue, that's an issue all you're doing is reforcing that issue. When you say to someone, I understand there's an issue, but I can help you, if you look at it with a different perspective and you help them walk through it, you can make a difference because people understand that you care and they understand how much you care. and That's the only time you can change anything. I didn't get on the call today to do that call, but I'm I'm I just wanna say hi and uh I hope the day continues to be a blessing for each person that's on the call today and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Um, I have to go uh, at it's twelve thirty and I have to leave right now for another appointment. So folks, have a great day. It's a pleasure meeting you. I understand you're on the other side of the world, am I correct?
0: Lauren's in Zimbabwe.
2: Well, thank you for taking the time. Quite a
1: few oceans away from you.
2: Well, that's just distance. Our hearts are united in a caring about and making a difference. That's this. Time and space don't matter. What's important is that we continue what we've been called to do. The mission is the important thing. So thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you. <laughs> Gotta go, Mary.
0: Adios. See you tonight. <sighs> He's a handful. <laughs> um, sarcasm is that's really a, Um, My son understands it. He's good at dishing it out it's kind of like a nice way yeah. of saying something that you want to say is an mm-hmm.
1: insult no, I think it's I think it's awesome. I absolutely love it and i I play it in my mind when it's directed to me. i'm like what i like i, I that the <laughs> there's a short circuit in my mind that is like, doesn't quite get it. Um, And once like I've acknowledged it, my husband and I laugh about it. I'll just be like, was that sarcasm? And he'll be like, well done. And I'll be like, that was hilarious. You know, Mm -hmm. I can, I can get it in that aspect. And I, within my soul DNA, there is a sarcasm, you know, or a sarcastic element. And I think I witter about it a lot in my own mind, but When it's on the receiving end of it is where I have the issue. I have no issue dishing it out. I just have an incoming issue.
0: (laughs) It's a delay mix. Yeah. What we call it in our house, a clog in the filter.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a a good way to put it.
0: You know, it's like kids who don't have that filter yet, or it's just overflowing. So it comes in the brain, goes out the mouth
1: yeah and you know i think i think a lot of the times you know i i've taught my children to speak before they think
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because when we think before we speak we suddenly put on all these filters right what's acceptable will i hurt the other person is it nice is it kind is it gentle is it true is it like you know there's so many things that go into that and yet when you before you think and you understand that you're not a nasty person, you're not a vindictive person, you're not like, it's not coming from a bad place, you can challenge it from an entirely different perspective knowing that you trust every word coming out your mouth. Just a different way of looking at it because, I don't know, here in Zimbabwe we're really old school about manners and kids are to be seen and not heard and, you know, there's a lot of that that's still here. And I was like, no, that doesn't work for me. Like, they have to be respectful, but I mean, adults have to be respectful to each other, right? But you can say anything you want to say in the right tone.
0: Tone is everything. And and
1: I get a lot of slack for that, like with my daughter.
0: Because she... I encourage her to speak her mind.
1: Mm. It
0: gets her to, it helps with your self-esteem. To be able to just speak instead of having to sit there and worry about upsetting somebody. So like, yeah. when someone picks on her brother, and it don't matter if it's an adult, she looks at them and to ask them, are you bad? Are you a bad person? Or are you evil? Because only bad people, or evil it. people are going to be mean
1: to a child. Yeah. Well played.
0: And then she'll start quoting by give her cards. a
1: high five in front of <laughs> did you give her a high
0: five in front of everybody? I do. And then they look at me and I look at her and I go, She is not wrong, so I will not correct her. If she's wrong or inappropriate,
1: I will correct her. In real time. As her parent. But I don't need somebody else to parent my kids. thank you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's Sometimes no it's got to it. be done. But I think when you think of the and the kind of generation that would be raised, you know, if all kids were taught to be true to themselves instead of having to conform. I remember my kids were painfully shy. Um, I'm a painfully shy person, actually. Many don't see it, but I know I am. Um, and I remember my kids would never greet people. And I mean, it's unheard of here. I mean, Zimbabwe produces the world's best manners, right? And I just, I like, wouldn't even apologize for it. I was like, do you want to say hello? And they'd hide behind you and be like, okay, that's fine. And like, we'd carry on with conversation. And if somebody bent down to my kids to greet them and like get up in their face, I'd be like, you don't have to do that. Thanks. You you wouldn't like me doing that to you, would you? Like I used to imitate their behavior to them.
0: Mm-hmm. You no, know, there was. A- <laughs> I'd be
1: like, what 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 the hell are you doing? Well, I'm just imitating your behavior, right?
0: You know, there was a good post on Instagram this morning that I it popped up on my feed about that. You know, about you know when kids cry, we're teaching our kids to shut down and not feel emotions, and that we're teaching them that only happy is a good is the only emotion you should ever feel. Now, when they cry, no matter what it is, we shut them up instantly as parents from the time they're born, yeah, and it, you get yeah it, and then when they get into a toddler phase, you're telling them don't cry, it's not necessary. you don't need to cry, you know, and I know my husband gets so mad and so frustrated because of when my son was nonverbal, and even now, he'll cry, and if he wants you to pay attention to him and give him a hug. He gets so overwhelmed with emotions, it's just the go-to is to cry. And yeah. so he'll tell you, I'm a baby, I'm crying. It's, and that's his way of telling you he needs a hug. He wants to be, you know, swaddled up. And he gets, you know, I have to get frustrated because that sound just drives him nuts. And I'm, I don't shut him up. I don't. I'm like, all right, go ahead, cry. If
1: that's what you need to do. Go ahead and do it.
0: Because yeah okay,
1: right? and I think it is and I think a lot of times um you know sometimes I think that especially with kids now they've their senses are so much more heightened than what ours are and so at that point like as an empath there are so many more kids being born as an empath and so it's helping them understand that like I asked my girls, are those your tears or somebody else's tears? Because nine times out of 10, they were somebody else's tears. They weren't their tears. And so instantly, you know, from that perspective, you were able to say, oh, okay, it's nice that you can see somebody else's pain and that's pretty cool, but it's also not your job to fix it. Like, can we maybe let them know that they're loved and valued? But it's not your job to fix it, love. They have to want to be fixed first. Did they ask to be fixed? And, like, that for my girls was massive because I just – I didn't want them to be in a situation where, you know, they felt I, – I have been through domestic violence, and so I never wanted them – to feel that they had to fix somebody else. I wanted them to be able to identify their own bubble of safety and what was in their bubble so that that way anything other than that, you know, they can say, oh, that's not mine. So they were able to identify what was theirs and what wasn't theirs. Because I think as humans, we really struggle to identify what's ours and what's not ours, right? We're not taught to live a selfish life. We're taught to live a people-pleasing life and, you know, just keep carrying on. And it doesn't matter what the cost is to yourself. It's It's got to be for somebody else, you know, and as long as you're living for somebody else and helping them, you'll be okay. And that comes at a cost.
0: Right. Look at how many kids go to college to get a profession that their parents want them to be.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I just like, I, I don't, I I don't know. I, I'm one of a kind in Zimbabwe. <laughs> it's not probably, there's many parents that frown on it, but I, I just, I don't care. I want my kids, I think maybe because I don't have a son, like I feel that I've got to be that hard big brother as well. And, you know, say to them, like, you've got to be able to discern and make these decisions on your own. I can't be there to make them for you, and so just don't help anybody else until your cup is overflowing. If your cup is overflowing, by all means, go for it. But until then, don't do it.
0: Right. You know, that's the hard part that, you know, we live in this world where there's no middle ground. You either give everything you've got to help everybody and you put yourself last, and even as parents, you're we're brainwashed into thinking that you know that's what we have to do with our kids, even. And yeah, I, know I see so many. You know, it's like the first words out of parents' mouths or people's mouths are when they find out I have two special needs kids. They're like, "Oh, you must be stressed out and exhausted." I'm like, "No, no, I don't micromanage. Yeah. I let them figure things out, and we go at their pace." And things happen. Yeah. So, but they know when mom goes in her room for an hour, turns her TV on, and goes and lays down, that's mom time. Just go away.
1: Yeah, has my afternoon sleep every day.
0: And they're very good <laughs> about it, you know. Usually it's when he yeah. gets home, and so they'll go bother dad, but, you know, it's like.
1: You need to take time for yourself and you need to. But I don't even think it's it's like teaching them boundaries, isn't it? Yeah. It's also like, you know, I don't know. I just, I kind of taught my kids to parent themselves. I was like, there's no one like, I'm not going to be that mom that checks that your bags are packed. Like I, I, I do, do you know what my thing was? I realized I didn't have a maternal DNA strand. And I beat myself up about that for years. Like, why don't I feel that maternal connection to my children? Like society says, it's this most incredible experience. And I had a pre, just the word maternal, the label of maternal gave me a preconceived notion of how I should feel. And I didn't feel that. And so I felt like a really bad mum. Like, what is wrong with me and why? I mean, how hard can it be to feel maternal, right? I mean, you you died giving birth to one of your kids and you still don't feel it. And so, I beat myself up about it. And then I realized when I when I realized I don't have that within me. I'm not a maternal person actually, but I'm a nurturing person. But isn't that what maternal? And I'm a is? compassionate person. There's a different thing to it. Maternal has its own bonds. It's where you want to take care of and you want to be that figure. And it's a very different energetic component. And I didn't want, I I just didn't have that. Like I really didn't. And that's, you know, my oldest daughter recently had a conversation with me and she was like, mom, I've read the five love languages and my love language is affection. And I was like, I just looked at her and I said, you're screwed, kid, because mine isn't. Hmm. And so she was like, but you never give me hugs. And I was like, and I never will give you hugs, love. Like, it, there's a part of me that dies inside when you force me to give you hugs. I, I don't like it. Just I don't give daddy hugs. I don't give like the animals hugs. I'm just not that person. There's nothing wrong with me. I just don't like it. But what I do do for you is I'm the first mom at pickup. You have the best lunch boxes in the school. I spend so much time with you, you know, teaching you to study and imparting wisdom in your life. I don't need, feel the need to give you hugs. Like you have a dad that loves hugs and you can get that from there. But I can't give you what you're asking me for. And so we agreed, you know, that once a day or twice a day, I give her this huge big hug, and it fills her up. But I, I physically cannot give her what she's asking for. And I, I've explained it to her that you're a really affectionate person and a needy person, and that's fantastic. But understand that I can't be that person that you get that from then. And that helped massively just being able to say that.
0: Yeah. And it helps them understand, too, that it's not something they did. It's not, didn't mess up
1: somehow. No. And, I mean, we started with that. Like, oh, you don't love me. And I was like, if the shoe fits, love, put it on. But, you know, I'm not going into that conversation with you because that's just manipulation. So, you know it, I know it. She's 14, so she's more than capable of understanding that conversation. But I was like, you know it, I know it. We're not even going down that road. At the end of the day, when you take what I do do, there's many moms that hug. I eventually said to her, that's fine, I'll stop doing everything else just to give you hugs. But I can't do both. And she was like, oh, hell no, I ain't going to school without those kind of lunchboxes. Like, Daddy's not making me lunchboxes. And when I put it like that and I said to her, Daddy doesn't do these things because he doesn't have it in him to be a nurturer. He just doesn't. So, you know, should we get him to stop hugs and he be a nurturer and I start hugs? So she we, like, trialed it for a day, and she's like, that's the worst idea I've ever done. Like, there's no energy in either one of it. So I was like, well, there we go.
0: And that's just having that open, honest communication, which so many parents don't do.
1: No, they don't. But I think it's also, like, when you know exactly who you are, like, when you are, We talk about, we use the word authenticity so flippantly. We assume that just showing up is authentic. And it's really not. It's about being able to say this is who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly version of me. So I'm irrational to, I mean, I'm so freaking irrational, that's frightening. But I never play that out in my human daily life. But my irrational thoughts that, you know, you can't have them and they're impure and why, how do you, it's an impossibility, like let's just be real, it's like you with your sarcasm. It's like me saying to you, you know, you can't have sarcasm, it's not pure. Well, it's a part of who I am and I'm not even going to deny it. And I think that for me, like when I talk about authenticity and about being able to have real conversations, you've got to be able to have real facts behind you in order to have that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and if this- somebody
1: said to me, Lauren, you're manipulating the situation. I am manipulating. Absolutely. But certainly this is not one situation I'm manipulating. I can tell you the way I have. And we all manipulate. Every conversation is manipulation. So why, why even bring that into it?
0: bringing it into it just is another way for them to manipulate what you are saying to get you to change exactly what you want and (laughs) it's so prevalent now with social media everybody's posting all these oh I have made this much money I have this great life It's like really because you really don't nobody has this crystal perfect life no you know and we have this toxic environment since COVID that you know you have to be happy about everything and everything has to be oh bad things happen that's okay it's like no you've got to be real about it bad things happen yes it's okay now understand that's okay to be mad
1: it's okay to be sad it's okay to be yeah that's the thing in so within soul dna i speak about how your soul dna codes or the the strands the you know they split into three categories the good the bad the ugly and how Every single strand has the capability of acting as a trigger. So if you're a naturally anxious person, you know, we, society teaches us to get rid of your anxiety. What if your anxiety was there because you needed a sixth sense into, hey, that, that's not the right path. And so you feel anxious about it so that you can make a more informed decision about where it is that you need to go. So your anxiety is not going to activate at all if you've got all the facts there. But if you do not have all the facts on the table, you can't make an educated decision about it.
0: That's it. And I
1: realized that that was one of my things is, is that my husband and I early on in our relationship used to argue about it all the time because he'd say, hey, we've been invited to so-and-so's house. And I said, yes. And I was like, why would you do that? I Like, who's going, what food, what is the dress code, how many people are going to be there, because I get a very, like, strong sensory overload. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, needed to know all of this so that I could make an educated decision about whether I could go or not. And I certainly wasn't prepared to stop him from going, but I can't be in spaces with too many people for too long a time because I I literally just shut down. So at that point, like my anxiety is going to be through the roof. And so over time, because I've been able to say to them, hey, I am an anxious person when you just drop that bombshell. This is what I need to know. And I'm not asking to say no. I'm asking to make an informed decision. And the minute I know all those facts, I'm able to then say, I can feel my anxiety, you know, calming right down. Because I now have everything at my fingertips to make that decision.
0: And that's it. And people don't understand and realize that.
1: You know, all anxiety
0: is, is that your subconscious, your brain, is trying to protect
1: you from an environment that you don't know about. Yeah, your soul is trying to do that for you. So intuition or your conscience, every religion has its own name for it, I guess. Mm-hmm. but it's not like, I, I don't even think, I don't even believe it comes from your brain. It's like, it's your sixth sense. is like gently whispering and saying, hey, I don't think you're going to be very happy there. So do you want to just check out so that you can make a better decision? That's it. And like the minute you feel that trigger, you're able to be like, sorry, can we just revisit this conversation again? Someone's not adding up to me and I just need to kill it. And so you're able to go through it and say, okay, now that I've inquired more about it, that's not for me and thank you.
0: And that's it. And people make it into something, It's they feed off of it. And we're taught in society that, you know,
1: having this issue is bad. Yeah. Well, it's the same as ADHD or anger or you know, any one of being a narcissist or any one of these things and I look at it and, you know, I think to myself, bipolar, schizophrenic, any one of those things. I look at it and I just see it as energetics and I think, Oh, they there's just something that's out of balance. You know if we if we went to a muscular skeletal doctor, I don't know what the proper name would be, but you know, they would say, well, you're balancing a little bit more on your left side than your right. And, you know, that muscle's not working properly. So this is no different but in energetics where, hey, you keep reacting in the same way. There's a trigger for that. Let's work with that trigger. And let's learn exactly who your soul is. Because it is it is you to some extent. You just didn't realize that it can be balanced. You didn't realize that it has its own it's the only part of you that knows exactly where you're going, right? It's source. It's God. And it's within. So if we have, you know, I, I did a podcast the other day and I spoke about what it was to be in the image of God. And I said that so many times we put, we've, society has put God on this pedestal, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we worship him from far, far away because I mean, I'm just Lauren, what would God want to talk to me about and would I stand next to him? And so I took the verse of, you know, I'm created in the image of God. And I thought, this is where like alchemy comes into it, I guess. And I was like, if I'm made in his direct image, I wasn't made in a sub image, I was made in his direct image. What would that look like? And I realized that when I really thought about that first, I could stand next to him and say, hey, great job. I look just like you. And at that point, you know, I could say my heart would be like his or did he make me with a lesser heart than he did? You no, know, did he make me with less patience than he, than he has? Did he make me with? You know, less self-control than what he has. He made me human. I was made in his image, and so the moment I realized that, I realized, hey, it lives within me. I have him within me. And the moment I realized that, I was like, just be gentle on yourself. You, you. He knows exactly where you're going. His plans were laid out for you long before you knew your plans. And so if he's within me, I don't know. I I would want to connect to that immediately because if he knows where I'm going and I don't, I'm in. But
0: people don't think of it that way.
1: No. Well,
0: it's not taught that way either, really, is it? We're really not taught free thinking anymore. And on the sad part is at the digital age, they do studies and they do... They're learning that kids that live on electronic devices and not coloring or playing, you don't use your imagination. So at the same time, imagination is crucial for problem solving, which is why absolutely kids drive you nuts wanting direction of how to do things every moment of every day because they're not taught to play with an imagination, have that imagination. It's bad. And so you never learn how to solve their own problems.
1: Yeah. I did a thing. There was a, I wrote, I'm trying to think of the formula. Creativity plus inspiration equals momentum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was exactly that about when you have a problem, you get creative. And the moment you get creative, find inspiration. And the moment you find inspiration, momentum comes in the purpose for your life.
0: And that is so true. And, you know, I tell this us a lot of parents. Yeah. You know, I had babysat a kid that she literally couldn't color in a coloring book unless you told her what color to color everything. And I'm looking at it and I tell this to parents all the time. Give them a piece of paper and a bunch of crayons. Just let them
1: do something. And walk away. Yeah.
0: Because, one, you're never going to hear them say they're bored. Never. Because they're always finding something to do. When we were kids, did we ever – how often did we say we were bored? Other than when it was raining. But it just –
1: well, no, because then you built a fort and you did, you know, you did tons of stuff like that instead. Right. That's the thing is I think nowadays – I don't know, I just, where do we allow our kids' time to be creative? That's the other thing, is the element of time. You know, there's this concept that we need to be swimming and we need to be running and we need to play tennis and we need to play hockey and, you know, we need to do all these things. And I'm like, or we could just sit and watch a movie. Like, I'm happy with that. I'm happy to sit and play a board game. I'm happy to make brownies. (laughs) who go for a walk together or problem solve some other dimension. At that, I asked parents the other day, I was counseling some parents, and I said to them, like, when was the last time you asked your child if they could create a universe, what would it look like? And they're like, why would you ask such a stupid question? And I was like, there's quite profound answers in that. Just saying, just do it. That's where their hopes and dreams are lying, but you just took them away. So they had no choice but to put them into another universe that became superheroes because the reality of them being allowed to be that here is impossible, really. Right. Or imaginary friends. Yeah. Yeah. I had those beat me.
0: No, and everyone just, you know, looks at my kids like they're weird because they literally can sit and play in a mud pit and turn it into an African safari. My son's all into the Lion King and he literally took um, Jenga blocks and built fried rock. And he's got all oh, his little animals, it. you know, and creating that whole scene. Well we don't have all the animals to go with it, so he's got different animals to take their place. He's got a piece of foam that's like it's like a tree and I'm just
1: like, Oh, this is great. Oh, I'm a send and we're going camping um, in about a month's time to the, one of the wildest places in Southern Africa. And they have a pride of 33 lions in that area. And so you were camping and then you hear all these stories. And so I want to experience it myself. I grew up very wild and you were in a wild place, but certainly not this wild. And I said, to my husband I want to go and feel insignificant you know to the point of literally sitting on the knife's edge of am I going to die or not and so the wildest place here in southern Africa is thankfully in Zimbabwe and it's literally camping with these lions and there's stories about people you know waking up in the morning and the lion they can't even get out their tent because the lions are there and they're wild mm-hmm. it's, it's not like a you know I said to my husband we were laughing today he was like have you bought a bucket for a toilet yet Mm -hmm. so I was like (laughs) so I said no but let me add it to the list
0: life insurance policy updated your will updated
1: (laughs) i am believing the whole lot
0: you gotta send me pictures he
1: would absolutely love that yeah I will do I will do definitely. I'll 100% send them through pictures. Um, 100%. I said to my husband, well, there's no no cell phone signal there. So it's not even as though they can automatically upload to the cloud or anything like that. But I said to him, you know, if anything happens or what have you, just make sure that you take my phone to Wi-Fi and it will automatically let the world know where I was. (coughs) Yeah.
0: You know, he's planning two, two trips. And I told him if you save up all your money, we can we'll go. And one is to the Galapagos Islands, and the other oh, one—oh
1: yeah, my daughter would love that.
0: The other one is to an African safari. He wants to
1: see Lion King, the real Lion King. Oh, there's so many incredible places to do that. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, maybe not camp with them, but they are many places that he can do that. But
0: you save up money and we will do it. You have to go past. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So we are out of time for today. Wow, that hour went by fast. Scary. (laughs) I would love for you to come back.
1: Definitely. I would love that too.
0: Right. So thank you for joining us. I love what you do. And I'm going to steal that alchemist name. It makes so much easier to describe what I do because I work with special needs families and it's a different degree of between meditation, yoga, hypnotherapy, coaching. I work with the whole family with the kids, not just the kids and not just the family. We, We do it as a unit.
1: I'm a special needs alchemist.
0: So now instead of putting this list of all the things I do, I can just say
1: I'm an Mhm. And it's such an incredible thing because it opens up intuition massively. It opens up discernment massively. It opens up all of that. And I think that's the part like where the infinitely possible and infinite possibilities exist. They're one and the same
0: for joining
1: us. Thank you, Lauren, the soul-activated
0: psychic alchemist. Join us back here tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern for Gavin Johns and his show about making it to the majors and how he's had to struggle through life with injuries and everything that could happen. And still keeps pursuing the dream. So goodbye and good night. And we'll see you back here later. Bye for now. Bye.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Optimize My Life Radio. We hope you found today's show insightful and empowering. Remember to follow us on social media at Optimize My Life for updates, additional resources, and to stay connected with our community. Join us back here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern for another enriching episode as we continue our journey towards a more fulfilling and optimized life. Until then, take care and remember to make each day count.